As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome along once again. This is Pod on the Time, the Athletics Newcastle United podcast. Eddie Howe's Newcastle are back, and so are we. George, you're back in the northeast, but only just. Well, yes, yes, I'm still reeling. I have to say from my um, from my very, 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 very long journey to the Midlands, and I will fill you in on that later. Not just what happened on the pitch, which was extraordinary enough, but definitely a few strange things. Happened off it, so I'll come on to that. But mainly, I'm reeling today, and from something quite different. And I do, I do have to sort of take a step back every now and again. And you know, like we we do have personas on this podcast, right? I mean, not sort of on purpose, but as times kind of gone on, yeah. our own natural personalities kind of come out and then get exaggerated a little bit. I know I'm that sort of the grumpy old man, and that's fair because I'm old and I am quite often grumpy. But there are parts of like the relationships we have on the show which aren't really how they are in real life. So, for example, my constant belittling and badgering of Chris Woff, my 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 colleague, as part of our shtick and and things like that. Every now and again, I have to say, mainly for HR purposes, I do love Chris and I am incredibly proud to work with him. It's a fact that I rescued him from a life of destitution at the Evening Chronicle, and I've made him into what he what he is now. And all this is like like a sort of joke, okay? Part of it is like a sort of joke. But occasionally, things do happen that remind you about the part of his personality that gets exaggerated, and that is how like deeply fucking weird he is as a human <laughs> being, right? So today, which is Transfer Deadline Day, and in Newcastle terms, nothing is happening, right? So nothing is happening. Nothing has happened this month. Yes, there's been a lot of noise and whispers around this month, but nothing's actually happened apart from Javier Manquillo leaving. And after every transfer window, Chris and I have to do a piece, basically entitled, you know, Inside the Transfer Window. And if we're being sort of honest, that piece today could just say, fuck all and be the end of it. And it probably wouldn't make many people subscribe to The Athletic, but that would be the sort of truth. I'm sorry about this rant, but I just have to do it, okay? I have to get it out of my system. Now, Chris 
can't break wind without making a Google Doc to like record the fact that he's broken wind. And okay, so that's the kind of guy he is. So before he writes anything, he does a Google Doc. Okay, so I've got a little quiz question which I'd like to involve everyone, including Ollie, our producer. So this will be a test of whether he's listening or not. I want you to guess how many pages on a, on Google Docs about a transfer window in which nothing has happened, absolutely fuck all <laughs> has happened, Chris has managed to fill. Now, bearing in mind these are like A4 bits of paper, effectively, but online. So how many, how many pages do you think, Taylor, of notes has Chris made on Google Docs about the transfer window in which nothing has happened? Well, he's a very thorough young man, isn't he? So he I'd, is. I'd say a transfer window in which absolutely nothing has happened apart from one player leaving, he's probably made between 40 and 50 pages of notes. Okay, thank you. Jacob, would you like to make a guess? Well, I know that he sort of one of his old man quirks is that he types in about size 28 font just so <laughs> that he can see everything. So I'm going to go with 61. Okay, well, I see in online, Ollie has said, oh, now our little chat thing, he said 283 pages. Well, I'm slightly disappointed about that because you've, I mean, the answer, uh, Taylor is right. The answer is 47, 47 pages of notes. I know that boy far too well. About a transfer window in which nothing has happened. I'd love Chris to explain himself, but also I just don't want to hear what he has to say. That's my rant over. I might just go now. Chris Wolf, any, any, any rebuttal? Well, that was a very long rant. No, absolutely no rebuttal whatsoever. I'm just really pleased that George had to read through it all. Why are we all here? Couldn't we have just got AI Culkin to read through 47 pages of notes, <laughs> release that, release so, that as a so, podcast, and we could all yeah. have two hours so, having So a here's the thing. I mean, you know, the window has actually been interesting, so I would like people to read this piece when it finally gets written. But Chris's notes are so long that he's had to do a separate note section on the top of his notes <laughs> to explain what's in the notes. That is true, actually, yeah. <laughs> Fucking that hell. That sounds like the most Chris so I'm reeling. I've ever heard, to be honest. I am reeling. Do you use the Harvard referencing system? There is no order to it, that's the problem. Well, actually, this is slightly more ordered than normal because I did it as I went along, so I've got, like, dates and, and the like, but then there is no order to the notes within the notes, so yes. I do love Chris, but it's like, is it any wonder that I'm grumpy? I mean... It's just a little peek behind the curtain into the life of a journalist during the transfer window, isn't it? But it, this is just Chris's day-to-day life, so it's absolutely nothing to do with the transfer window whatsoever. Uh, anyway, uh, we're all here. Jacob's here as well. Jacob, you all right? Yeah, all good, all good. good. I had the worst banana of my life about half an hour before <laughs> joining the podcast, but apart really? from that momentary uh, disappointment. No, fi- no fire alarms recently, though. No fire alarms recently, and I cannot believe now the reputation I've got within this building from a light-hearted quip. The athletic arsonist is 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 who you are. I walk into the lift, and people from TikTok turn their back on me. It's got that bad. <laughs> what constitutes the worst banana ever? Good question. It was both a mix. Uh, oh, oh, Chris is taking notes. Can you hear him? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. He's taking notes. There we go. It was bruised on the outside, yet somehow dry and almost like dusty on the inside. Oh, and there's one where banana. when you peel it, your finger kind of squidges the top, so you're already a bit dirty before you've even started it. It was, it was really, really, really disappointing. It's not great, is it? It's not great. It's the last thing you want from a banana, that dust. Ugh, rotten. Dust. Anybody? No. Dust. 
Right, anyway, let's move on, chaps. That's enough nonsense. Uh, we have to uh, apologise as well to the great Gary Speed, who also scored for Newcastle uh, in the Premier League, Champions League, League Cup and FA Cup. Uh, we missed him out of our little quiz last week. No, I didn't I didn't miss him out. No, well, I've just said I we missed answered. him out of our little quiz. Yeah, but I don't want to be associated with your we because I said Gary Speed. So I'd like to disassociate myself from that we and point out that I was correct. All right, well, apologies to Gary Speed and the 14,000 people who tweeted us to tell us that we'd missed it. Yes. Uh, incidentally, like uh, Alan from work, Nobby Solano and Shola, he also scored in the UEFA Cup slash Europa League as well. Come on, you Maggies. Right then, we said we were going to record on Friday, but it doesn't look like Newcastle are going to be completing any transfers today. Uh, so we've reverted to our normal slot. But if the club do spring into action... We will update this episode and insert an emergency transfer updated section now. Yeah, so a message from the future here. Nothing happened, Chris, did it? No, I mean, this was as of sort of Sunday into Monday... The thought from George and I was that this was going to be a potentially busy scramble towards the end because, as we know, Newcastle were going to have to sell if they were going to buy. And so we thought that, obviously, with the Miguel Almiron situation and could he go and then would that facilitate the ability to bring in a midfielder or another position or even maybe multiple players. But the Saudi transfer deadline closed on Tuesday evening. Obviously, Miguel Almiron actually travelled down to Villa Park, as Eddie Howe suggested on Monday, that he hoped that he would, came off the bench, return from illness and because Newcastle couldn't sell anyone the message from Eddie Howe after the game was basically that's almost certainly us done and as we sit here at 12.49 on the Thursday afternoon the day of of the deadline very much do not expect Newcastle to do anything significant at a senior level and that means that they end the window having not signed anyone, and the only player who left, it wasn't Javier, Javier Manquillo, sorry, as George Colkin called him earlier in his rant, Javier Manquillo did leave to rejoin uh, Rafa Benitez at Celta Vigo, and that is literally the only thing that has happened at the senior level at Newcastle United in a row. But, but, but please read on for another 45 pages. <laughs> Chris Wofstradamus there with his uh, prediction of the end of the transfer window. Uh, it's not strictly true that nothing happened, though, is it? Two more in for the women's team, more on them later. Alfie Harrison as well. Is that one being confirmed, Chris? It hasn't yet been confirmed officially by Newcastle themselves. Eddie Howe did basically confirm it at his pre-match press conference on Monday, or, although he, he said that he was not directly involved in it. That was more to do with Paul Midgley, who's the head of youth recruitment, who was brought across from Manchester City. Uh, and it's a Dan Ashworth signing for... Uh, initially comes in as part of, of the academy setup. Given the injury situation, who knows if he, if he ends up on the bench at some stage, but his transfer fee, which I believe early, at least to begin with, is initially nominal, if not not non-existent, and then over time there would be uh, fees potentially paid, but that does count towards Newcastle's profitability and sustainability calculation. So that's why they also can't spend a lot of money as things stand on youth players even because although academy itself the the infrastructure behind it and some of the staff are employed that isn't included within a PSR calculation 
the actual signing and registration of players is. And so there's another reason why Newcastle maybe haven't invested as heavily as they would have liked in their youth recruitment this month as well. Yes, and uh, Johnny King is our new senior physio in from Leicester. Uh, but more importantly, perhaps, Georgie's ex-Bournemouth as well. So Eddie Howe will know him well. Yes, um, so Newcastle have been looking for a new senior physio since uh, Danny Murphy left the role in December. And... King is somebody who worked with with Eddie Howe and Jason Tyndall at Portsmouth for a few years before also working with the FA. Bournemouth. He is highly... What? Did you just say Portsmouth? Did I? What said Bournemouth? I don't know what to... Check the tape. Check the tape. All right, well, I'll do... Do I need to do that again? Well, I'll do now because he's fucking interrupting me, little prick. <laughs> 47 fucking pages. Um... Yes, that's right. Newcastle have been looking for a new senior physio since Danny Murphy left that role in December. King is someone who's worked with Eddie Howe and, and Jason Tyndall at Bournemouth uh, for a number of years before going on to work with the FA as well. So he also knows Callum Wilson, also knows Matt Ritchie. And he's credited with sort of transforming that department down there. So obviously this has been a sort of interesting topic of conversation because Newcastle have had so many injuries this season so yeah welcome welcome aboard and uh, look forward to him getting his teeth stuck into that I bet he thought he'd seen the last of Callum Wilson's knees <laughs> <laughs> poor yeah. bugger uh, looks like there's no more incomings happening but NUFC are striving for moves for fringe players as well Chris what to move on you mean fringe players yes so to, to... moves for fringe players moves out out of the building god he's he's, he's like <sighs> he's questioning everything so, yes, but in answer to your question, which I now understand, um, yeah, they are still looking for... Isaac Hayden remains uh, as Newcastle player, as things stand. They have been looking for a loan to him, probably within England. That hasn't been confirmed yet. Jeff Hendrick's situation still in terms of whether he moves to a different club or not, same where he is, and, and possibly some youth players as well. But in terms of fringe players actually within Newcastle's squad... They simply don't have enough depth at the moment, given all their injuries, to be able to allow some of the players like Matt Ritchie or Paul Dummett, who's been linked with Ipswich, although Jacob's uh, been found out that, that, that there doesn't seem to be any interest from, from Ipswich there in him. For those sorts of players that Newcastle simply can't let them go, and also from a uh, the point of view that Eddie Howe has of them is not just what they bring, in theory, on the pitch, but also off it, and so he doesn't want to lose them. Um, before we do move on I, I'm a, I must I now have to give Chris a little bit of love so having knocked him down I, have to, I, I need to kind of build him up again it has actually been an interesting window I mean it's been horrible sort of being part of it it's been, felt sort of quite sort of stressful but it has been a very different window for Newcastle obviously every window so far they've post takeover they've bought and bought big um, and this is the one where they found themselves in this gilded prison where they have the resources to spend but can't spend it. They're hemmed in by FFP, PSR as it's now known. They're hemmed in by all the injuries they've had and they've had these very interesting dilemmas about what to do, if anything. Ultimately, because they didn't get bids in, they couldn't do anything. You know, they just couldn't do anything. But it's been, um, it's it's kind of been very interesting uh, to be sort of inside that in some ways and the decisions that haven't been taken now because there haven't been bids will have to be taken in the summer so they will still need to bring money in in the summer and um, you know I think it, it, it's all teed up to be a big big window this uh, this summer. Right then that's enough of that uh, let's quickly remind ourselves of the events at Villa Park on Tuesday night. 
Nice pick out for Gordon and Consa looking to get the right side of him. He's done brilliantly and a good save by Martinez. It's a lovely ball to pick out Gordon. He's going to have to do it on his own though and he's capable but that's over. Took a deflection though, it'll be a corner. Watkins missed it and turned in. Shera from the back to great effect. They lost him in the penalty area. And Fabian Scherer turns it home. Another set piece to deal with. And it came out to be struck and deflected. And surely they'll turn this in and they have. It's another one. Scherer in the right place at the right time again. And how about this for Newcastle? He's possessed his line. Four forward here, and Almiron, and Murphy's arriving! Three for Newcastle! Murphy this time! Lovely turn, that's brilliantly done by Bailey, movement from Watkins, and there's the pass, and this is Cash! And pushed away by Dubravka. Brilliant save. Watkins, Diaby's gone through the middle, he's been found and he's round the keeper! And behind for a corner. Did well, goalie, forced them really wide. I'm hearing from the touchline, nine added minutes. Here we go. Newcastle might get a fourth here. Pullback is a good one. Oh, what a move! Saved by Martinez. Oh, what a save, I mean, but they've got to score. Three points for Newcastle. Everyone needs a Fabian show. Everyone needs a Fabian show. Kick it short or kick it ball. Defensive skills are wonderful. Well, there we go. Everyone does indeed need a Fabian share. Um, George, we said after Fulham that our pressing game was going to be difficult with no bench and that it would be great to grind out a result at Villa Park. Instead, we pressed them as well as ever and we blew them away. We did. It was a surprise. The whole thing was a surprise. Was. The whole uh, Yeah, so when I said at the start that I'm still reeling from Villa, I need to kind of go back a step. And um, for people who... Is this rant number two? This is rant number... It's not rant number two, but it's just a bit of context. As you know... I was a late stand-in for Chris, and all joking aside, it was my pleasure to do that. And Chris uh, gave me a lot of help afterwards too. So, um, but put it into some context. I had to travel down with Luke Edwards, who a friend of the podcast. Um, if you don't know his work, but listen to the Christmas show, you'll poss- possibly have some idea of the personality that we're dealing with. But a man incapable of leaving a thirty-second pause for breath so I've had eight hours of just listening to Luke talk which is pretty exhausting in itself arrived at a car park in Villa Park it's an official media car park and they said you've got to be back an an hour after the final whistle and it's like well you don't really believe that and so I double checked again and it was like no no you do and then I spoke to our colleague who who writes about Villa Jacob other Jacob and he said yeah he was he was stuck in the car park 
for the last home game and had to call a number. It's like, well, that's fine. He covers Villa, but we have to get back to Newcastle. So we had this sort of tension, you know, leading into the game. And it was a game that fully expected Newcastle to lose. So it's like, right, I mean, I'm going to, you know, Newcastle are going to lose this game 2-0. I'm going to base my entire night on Newcastle losing 2-0. And that's what's going to happen. We'll make a sharp exit. We'll run back to the car. And then... Newcastle were were brilliant. I mean, they were excellent. So then that sort of gave another layer of tension because suddenly I've got to sort of, you know, change my headspace and Luke, who's with me, and is also obviously feeling this tension of leaving, filing his report for the uh, for the Daily Telegraph. And I have to say that the tension seemed to get to him in, in more ways than one. So we're sitting in the press conference room desperately hoping that Eddie Howe's going to arrive before we have to leave. And Luke presses a button on Twitter and suddenly the whole press conference room is full of sex noises from a porn tape. And he's, he's, it's not his porn, he, he just clicked on something on Twitter. But everyone turns towards us and I go bright red you know, thinking that people think that it's me and, you know, I would never do something like that. So anyway, we've had this kind of huge noise. Eddie Howe walks in, and we really have to go at this point. Eddie Howe walks in and Luke stands up and basically says, hi, Eddie, yeah, we might have to leave halfway through the, uh, you speaking because George is, for some reason, is stupidly parked in a car park where where they close. And Eddie Howe just goes, right, uh, okay, fine. And, like, the press officer looks weird. Everyone's, again turning to us and the pressures and then we did literally have to run back to the car park um in retrospect maybe this story isn't as funny as i thought it was <laughs> is it oh, it is quite funny. is it funny yeah, and we got to funny. the car park and they were closing it so i'm very pleased well there you go i'm very pleased that we did run so i'm still i still feel like i've lost a week of my life from that whole experience so albeit it was a very you've asked me a question about positivity i i'm not sure that i totally share it because i feel traumatized that's <laughs> fair enough that is fair enough. But yes, but, but but I think the thing, you asked a question about the game, and pressed as well as ever, I think I think what Newcastle did was they, they targeted Villa, they targeted what Villa do, they yeah. play this ridiculous high line, I mean I know it's been the source of strength for them this season, they did the same thing at St James's on the first day of the season when Newcastle was so impressive, but they did it again and they did it with injuries, and they persisted in doing it, and so what Newcastle were able to do, they can't do 90 minute pressing, because they don't have the resources to do it, but they did. Tar- they did target Villa, and as Villa crept up the pitch, as they do, they spun balls in behind, and Newcastle's pacey players run onto it. It was a brilliant tactic. It was a very simple tactic, and Villa proved incapable of changing. It was baffling, but at the end of it, Newcastle come away with an exceptional performance, an exceptional result. The first team to win there since. 2023 I think it is um February 2023 and yeah it was a brilliant night yeah Chris we we, we targeted the goalkeeper and the center halves didn't we but we also played in behind the fullbacks regularly uh Lewis Miley's intelligent running uh, notable in the early stages we also have to say as well we, I mentioned on uh, the last episode that Bruno was trying a bit too hard against Fulham and it wasn't really working but my word he was spraying the ball round with abandon at, at Villa Park wasn't he he was fabulous yeah he was back to his to his very best as I thought just about everyone in the Newcastle side was. What, what I found interesting was that I actually did go to Villa Park last time Newcastle were there before this match. Um, I didn't get uh, George to go there. And what happened on that occasion was that Newcastle were properly turned over and it was the only yeah. time last season where I think that they were actually massively outplayed. 
the way that Villa approached that, I remember going before going to the match, uh, Greg Evans, who covered Villa at the time for us, and, and I wrote a piece going into the match, looking at the game from both clubs' perspectives. And and I'd basically said, Newcastle will press, so Villa need to, to, to not pass the ball out from the back. And he said, oh no, Villa do that, regardless of what who they're playing, what they'll do. And he actually changed Unai Emery. What he did was he tried to bypass the first press by getting Martinez to kick the ball out wide or to the, to the midfield and basically bypass the initial Newcastle press and then Newcastle were a bit all over the place. In the subsequent two matches, A Villa have, have, have evolved in a similar way to Newcastle, only a year behind, is that when, when Eddie Howe took over mid-season, he got Newcastle to play a certain way until the summer of 2022, then tried to progress them going... Sorry, the summer of 2023, then tried to progress them going forward. Similar with uh, Unai Emery there, and I think that they've changed now, so now it is all about this high line. Regardless of who, the, who they play, that's how, how they're going to go about it. But Newcastle, having completely exploited it, certainly in the second half at, at, at uh, St. James's Park back in August to run away with the match, they did something very, very similar, which was to basically, rather than allow Villa to, to constrict midfield, is what they seemed to, to like to do a lot, was to to win the ball when they could, really, really pressurise Villa. Uh, an, an analyst who works in football messaged me and said early on, if you look, what Newcastle are specifically doing is either Byrne or Botman is running and pressing John McGinn whenever he gets the ball and it means there's no out ball for Villa they have to go back then Newcastle would win it back and when you've got the pace of Isak Gordon and and Jacob Murphy to play in behind that high line if you get it right there is so much space to be able to be exploited and that's exactly how Newcastle got after Villa time and time and time again that's exactly what I said Chris very similar yeah Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Villa still had a threat, didn't they, Jacob? And Kieran Trippier was back to something like his best, and Dan Byrne was superb again. Uh, but let's talk about the man of the night. Everyone needs a Fabian Shea. Uh, named Newcastle's Player of the Month for January, and very nearly the Premier League's first hat-trick scoring defender. He was so close, wasn't he? I think he's absolutely hilarious because his finishing was so, so poor last year. I think he had the most shots in the entire league um, last season without scoring a single one. Um, and all of a sudden he sort of turns into like Gabriel Batistuta in front of goal. It's the volley for the first one which really, really got me. And the coolness of it, because it happened so quickly. You saw the ball in the net and you had to sort of do a bit of a double take of, yeah. was that Fabian Cher? Um, no, incredible. At the end, I quite liked the way that it is like, you know that meme from The Hobbit where it's Martin Freeman being like, I'm going on an adventure? Is like Cher just kind of went walkabout right at the end just to be like, I fancy the third goal, get yeah. to the far post. I'm going to yeah. have another go at this. Yeah. He's been a brilliant servant, hasn't he? And you have to say that, you know, that money spent by 
Uh, Rafa Benitez was money very, very well spent. He's so important to the way Newcastle play. He is one of the stories of this season. Brilliant. Who was the last centre-half to score two Premier League goals for Newcastle? That's my quiz for you. Was it Philippe Albert, George? Florian Lejeune. Florian Florian Lejeune. Uh, at Goodison Park in that ridiculous game when they course, scored two late goals. Sorry, Jacob. Sorry, Which I, I put this uh, in an upside down face. I put <clears> this with an upside down smiley face emoji in our planning chat. The moment it happened, I was like, "Oh God!" Well, it's the first time I was, I was there. I was there for that game, and I was in the away end just by completely by coincidence. And I wrote about it. It was just extraordinary. You know that it was utterly pointless. I mean, the the whole the draw was pointless. Newcastle were pointless at that point. You know, it was just sort of one of those utterly ridiculous nights but it felt like the best moment ever when it happened when Lejeune <laughs> when Lejeune did it and now you know the significance of it is very different it felt like you know Newcastle getting back to their to their very best as Howe said afterwards we look like an elite team again and you know they did and um yeah but but Cher yeah he's, he's just been an absolutely brilliant player under under Howe. You'll be pleased to know with those Lejeune goals, I was working late in the library trying to file my university dissertation and it annoyed me so much that I decided to sack it off, go home and instead file it the next day. It rattled me that much. Yet again, youth is just wasted on the young, isn't it, Taylor? I mean, it's like, you know, I decided to sack it off and go home and have some biscuits. I mean, I'd have gone... I'm not Eddie Howe, man. I'd have... I, was, I was in my third year of uni. It's more fun than that. <laughs> No, I'd have gone out and woke up on the park bench three days later with wearing no clothes and stinking of cider. <laughs> While we're on youth, I quite like the uh, the fact that it's Newcastle's first goal at Villa Park since 2013, and that was when Louis Miley was six years old. Yeah, but you were only eight. Yeah, true, granted. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a good start. I mean, in terms of, of, of the share goals, I mean, we've mentioned exactly how Newcastle were getting in and behind and causing Villa problems. Yet it was the set pieces where the goals came from. I mean, the the the, the way that Newcastle forced those set pieces was was exactly by that. But then they were clinical from the set pieces after what was possibly the worst corner routine ever for the very first it corner was. that Newcastle took. It was absolutely abysmal the short corner. But then they, Q and Trippier's delivery was absolutely bang on from that point in the first one. They're two pretty good finishes from Shea. He takes them both well. I know I know you'd say he should score them, but the second one in particular, after Gordon's shot, which is really unfortunate from the edge of the area that obviously deflects up under under, under the bar, and then Martinez is sort of taken out a little bit. But but Shea directs it basically underneath me. He doesn't yeah. just hit it, it's there, he waits almost and then just positions it underneath Martinez. I call them thunder prods. Yeah, I don't know what that is. What is that? I don't really know. They well, because I think I described it as a. Ta- I think I described the first one as a tap in or something. Or put. I can't remember. Like on on Twitter. So then I've changed that to thunder prod. I think the first one's an excellent finish because he's being held back as well by uh, by the defender and he's had to force his way through a couple of players, and it comes so quick to him. I think the first one's a great little finish on his right foot, just right in the bottom corner. Nobody's saving it. I thought it was a great goal, the first one. That was a really lovely finish. He does lots of his best work while falling over, I think. I'm sure last goal, there's a long ranger he did. It might have been ruled out against Everton as he PS, fell no, backwards. PSG, PSG, PSG goal. Yeah, fell on it. his arse after he hit it, yeah. He's just Absolutely. best. I mean, despite being so composed the rest of his time, he actually does most of his best work while horizontal. <laughs> Sexy man he is. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> <Wow>. is. <laughs> 
Um, it's pretty remarkable, really, isn't it? The uh, the result, Chris, given our form lines, our first win, as we said before, first goals at Villa Park since 2013, Ben Arfa uh, and Johan Gufran. Before kickoff, nobody was really giving us a chance, were they? No, I mean, before kickoff, I had I, I do this before matches. I make a one of my oh, Google Docs, and in those Google Docs, what, what I do is I compile sort of stats and interesting points that we may go into a match, and all of them were very, 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 very depressing from a Newcastle United point of view going into this. Obviously, Villa's home form, Newcastle's record there in general, Newcastle's away form this season, Newcastle's current form. Uh, there was very, very little to be positive about, and yet that, that, complete, that completely turned over and changed. And I, I think part of the reason behind that is is the positivity they took from winning at Fulham. We said hopefully that they can do that and, and sort of the start of that blueprint to make sure they are solid defensively and to, to restrict the opposition and then and then build from there. But I also think that it it's a heck of a lot to do with the mini winter break that they've had. That they this is a this is a refreshed Newcastle. This is what you expected last season between matches that that they would be invigorated and able to go out on the pitch. And you still probably saw in the last fifteen minutes maybe that they were tearing a little bit again. And that's they still haven't got the ability to, to bring loads off the bench yeah. and, and totally change it in that sense, like they did it against Villa in the first game of the season and ran away with it. But what you also saw was the work that's gone in on the training ground and how much that has benefited all of those players. The relationships are strengthening. I thought there was a far better connection between. Dubravka and the back four and I think that's come from that again the the, the the cohesion throughout the entire team there is so they just looked so much better and so so as I say reinvigorated in that sense so I think that has made a huge huge difference mentally they just needed a break as much as anything and I think we've seen the benefit of that as Chris says since the break you know they just needed a chance to clear their heads and I'm sure physically the the break has been good, except as he's you know as, again as Chris says, that doesn't mean very much if you're still having to play for you know 90 minutes, 95 minutes, 100 minutes. I do think having Jacob Murphy coming back has made a big difference in the sense that you know it's a new face, it's a new character, someone who can really sort of engender that positivity into the rest of the team, which he does so well. And you know again having even an unfit or half fit. Miggy Almiron on the bench the other night was important because at least then there was that there was that option. But yeah, they just look they just look a different team. So let's let's hope they can carry that on. Worked out the statistics for this halfway through the match, and it's quite ridiculous. Newcastle's record after a mini break in their nine games since start of last season, one eight of them drawn one, and I think off the top of my head the aggregate score is twenty three goals to four. Wow. So, I mean, average that out and it's pretty much a three-goal win every time. Very impressive. Yeah, which, I mean, as they're a front-foot aggressive physical team who like who absolutely rely on hard running and relentless pressing. I mean, that is their strength. And so, in some ways, I mean, that is startling, Jacob, and I didn't know that. But in some ways, it's sort of not surprising that they've had that record after having a bit of a break midway through the season because they just need it. You know, physically it takes such a toll on them the way they play. And that toll becomes obviously far more uh, serious when they don't have players to, to, to replace them. And speaking of that, uh, just as everything was uh, going swimmingly and, and it looked like nothing could go wrong, Alexander Izak breaks down, Chris. Yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. And that was the, the one thing that continues... Nicassi United's injury problems and so Isak goes down groin injury we, we haven't got the full extent of that yet although he has had multiple groin injuries so, so far this season Eddie Howe suggested afterwards that he hopes it isn't serious but he will be further assessed it's sounding like it'll be a matter of weeks rather than hopefully 
months for Isak, but it, it, he has been, he has had fitness issues, as has Callum Wilson. Obviously, at the minute, Newcastle don't actually have a fully fit out and out centre forward. As of as of Monday, Callum Wilson wasn't back in full training. Whether that changes by the weekend, we'll have to wait and see. But Anthony Gordon moves through the middle and did very very well through the middle. But it'll be very different against Luton on Saturday at home against a deep lying defence to have essentially a false nine as the. The, the central player and it, the, the the difference here is because immediately a thought is Alexander Isak goes down in the first half there's two days left in the window and the thought becomes what did Newcastle go and do here what happened when Callum Wilson went down injured yeah. uh, against Manchester City at the start of last season was Newcastle will go into the market and they'll, they'll break, break their transfer record and they're bringing Alexander Isak there was none of that this time. There has that that there couldn't be. Eddie Howe said afterwards, we basically don't have the ability to do that. The, the PSR situation, as we've said, once Miguel Amron wasn't going anywhere, Newcastle can't do anything. And so even if they are taking a risk with the fitness of their two strikers and they only have three fit senior midfielders still as things stand, that's where they're going to be over the course of the next few weeks. And this that is the, the resources that Eddie Howe has between now and the end of the season. Yes, of course. And uh, Isaac's uh, injury meant that things had to be shuffled slightly. Uh, so the third goal was very, very, very important. Miggy uh, on the left with a superb cross for Murphy. Uh, we have to say as well, by the way, I have to say, Miggy Armoron, there's been lots of talk about him in this window. He came on against Villa. He looked white as a sheet when he was stood on the touchline. I thought he looked like a haunted puppet of Miggy Armoron was being brought on and, and not the man himself. He came on, he ran himself into the ground. The, the lad has been battling illness over the last week or so. I thought he was fantastic when he came on. And some of the stuff that's been said about him on social media recently hasn't sat very well with me. Uh, I, I haven't liked it at all, considering the amount of work that lad does for the team and, and what he's brought. Uh, so I, I wasn't very happy about that. But I thought he had a brilliant half when he came on, George. Yeah, Eddie Howe said afterwards that he was probably at 50% fitness. But, you know, it says a lot about his his character that he wanted to be there after illness i mean it was a it was sort of a it felt sort of awkward in some ways and i i thought at the time so he 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 drives to the to the byline gets the cross in and murphy kind of scores via moreno goes off to the newcastle fans to celebrate and miggy hung hung right back and didn't celebrate to start with yeah. and then was sort of hauled towards the newcastle fans and murphy pushed him forward and finally raised his hand now at the time i kind of thought there's a player who demands love but it was actually probably a player that demands a bit of lensip yeah. um you know if he was just if he was just kind of ill but i i also thought there was a bit of sort of you know it felt like significant there that this is a guy that actually needs a bit of love now because you know newcastle have rebuffed offers for kieran trippier almiron was the one where they thought that if they sold him that they could give themselves a bit of room for maneuver and it didn't happen how never wanted him to to go and now he needs he, he needs and deserves and warrants a bit of love because, as you've said, he didn't want to go either. He is incredibly important to the way Newcastle play. When Almiron plays well, Newcastle play well, and that's because he leads from the front. He does the running for the team. He does that targeted pressing. How loves him because of that. And, yeah, I just don't think Newcastle should forget where we've come from. And he's been a big part of the team and the club and will have to be you know, for the rest of the season. So well played, Miggy, and pleased you're still here. I think he just looked a bit pale and anxious because when he drove towards the byline, he realised he only had an hour to get out of the car park. <laughs> Everybody was in a rush. 
Yes. Uh, Jacob Murphy wasn't happy about it being an own goal, was he, Chris? But I think it's fair enough. It was practically a clearance from him, wasn't it, as the ball came across? Yeah, I think it's. I think there's, there's been slightly harsh ones because I saw some people sort of saying he almost tried to miss. I thought it, it was yeah. a hell of a ball from Miguel Almiron, but I didn't think it was that easy. He was stretching, and I didn't think it was that easy an opportunity in terms of the way that he, his body was contoured at the time to sort of try and get in. I mean, it was an own goal, but yeah, on... on on air, live on air, TNT Sports basically said that to him, and his reply was "ouch." That you take Moreno's reply was "ouch" as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so don't you say "ouch" yeah. to me, mate. I've just lost both yeah. testicles. File him alongside Phil Bob <laughs> in the uh, one leg either side of the post brigade. But what a few days for Jacob Murphy as well. Brilliant. I mean, just come back and the energy he's shown in the to, to play twice and in, in, inside four days after being out for so long. I mean, he obviously came back from his. And, and basically dislocated his shoulder a second time, having been asked to go out and do that again in a similar way to Miguel Almiron putting the bodies on the on the line. And uh, yeah, he's just uh, him it, being around the team. It feels like it just lifts everyone. I don't know exactly what it. I mean, he's, he's quite he's a very positive personality behind the he's scenes. He's a walking he meme, Chris. Isn't he? He's a walking meme. Yeah, well, exa- exactly. And it just it, everyone just seems lifted when it whenever he's there with it within the group. So I think I think his impact has actually been quite significant since he's come back. Yes, and there was a frenetic couple of minutes after Ollie Watkins pulled one back. For Villa, shades of their last home defeat against Arsenal when they had a late rally. Some smart changes from Eddie Howe, though, Jacob, put a stop to it, didn't they? Yep, Canny from him. He put uh, Livermento on. Um, Dan Byrne had a really good game, but Leon Bailey was a challenge for him, one which yeah. Byrne rose too well. But obviously, as Byrne tired and Villa made their own changes, it became more and more dangerous. And just Livermento just sort of quelled that a little bit and also gave Newcastle a nice counter-attacking outlet as well. They went five at the back, didn't they? Which, um, you know, is something that... How has you know thought about before and talked about before, but it was good to see that happen. Just close and great to see them close the, close again now because they haven't been able to do that. And I also thought, and Chris talks about Jacob Murphy. You can't talk about Jacob Murphy without talking about the sort of shit housing and all that sort of stuff. I thought Newcastle did. I don't want to use that word necessarily, but I thought they were much better at managing the game, taking the sting out of it, knowing when to kind of go down. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I was worried when that Watkins goal goes in, and then another one is then ruled out for offside because it felt like Newcastle had just lost control or about to lose control, but they brought it back. And you know, that's that's been something that historically they've been really, really good at. It was great to see them do it again, particularly against such good opponents. And I just, I just want to reiterate all of that, but also just in, in general, how tactically spot on Eddie Howe got it from the very start, but then to change it when he did, because one of the criticisms that there's been of him is that maybe he hasn't changed it when possibly he could have done, that against Man City, should he have changed to five at the back? That was one of the questions that, that a lot of supporters suggested that, that, that he should have done, and, and obviously the, the game ended as it did and, and Newcastle lost, but on this occasion that he spotted that when Bailey came on, he, he was given Dan Byrne a torrid time and that what Newcastle needed was they needed the pace of Livermento, they needed the three centre-backs, and, and having gone in with one... Game plan, which had completely outthought Unai Emery once again, as he did on the opening day of the season, and that worked to a certain period. Emery then responded and had got the upper hand, but how found a way within the match to change that and to deal with it. And, and he said previously that moving to five at the back, he sees it often as a negative. Well, on this occasion, it, it was very much a positive. And, and Livermento, his pace immediately snuffled out the threat of Bailey. There was only a couple of other runs after that. which And, and, and the momentum, basically, it basically broke the momentum, just as Newcastle did with some of the game management, as George said. That slowed Villa's intensity and allowed Newcastle to see it out. 
Uh, the league table still says we're 11 points behind Spurs and Villa, and we're still very short in midfield and attack, but the mood has changed dramatically. Uh, let's hear on that from Eddie Howe. Yeah, a lot, a lot of pride tonight. I think a lot of positive emotions where in previous weeks there's been a lot of frustration and different kind of feeling you know, when you know you're not quite where you want to be and you know that you can achieve more. It's been, it's been frustrating and I'm sure that's been shared by everybody. Um, but tonight we were our, ourselves. Now the challenge for us is to maintain that and keep that and not let it go because we know how difficult the Premier League is. You know, tonight we were very focused on having to deliver our best performance against a very, very good Aston Villa team. We can't lose that now for Luton. Three consecutive away wins uh, and some favourable fixtures coming up. The season's back on, George, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's important. I mean, you know, internally they they insisted it was the season was never kind of a write off, wasn't it? But you know, we needed to see some proof proof of that, not just in results but in performances. And they've they've sort of done that. I think if you go back to the Man City game, yes, that ended in a horrible way, but there were signs of positivity there. There's the Sunderland match that was hugely important. Then Fulham, obviously, uh, really good, still in the FA Cup. And then, yeah, it's just a great reminder to all of us that Newcastle are a really good side and they're a really, you know, they're capable of so much better. There is a huge, you know, there's huge numbers of reasons why uh, they haven't been able to, to perform the way they have. But it was just really, yeah, it was really encouraging. It was like, yeah, that's the team we know and recognise and love. And it's going to be difficult, you know, it's going to be difficult when they haven't got a centre-forward, but um, let's hope they can continue to find solutions to problems with this bit of respite they've had in terms of uh, in terms of fixtures. Absolutely, time to kick on, and time to kick on for us as well. We'll be back in just a moment after this short break. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, chaps, on to Becky Langley's lasses drawn against Portsmouth in the FAWNL Cup semi-final. And Pompey are having a very similar season to us, so it's top of the league in the FAWNL Premier North versus top of the league in the FAWNL Premier South. Whoever wins that game will be favourite for the Cup, but we are at home, George. Yeah, that makes a nice change for Newcastle United fans. And yeah, just great, obviously great to see the team get back to winning ways last weekend. I was with Becky Langley yesterday uh, for 10-15 minutes for a chat 
feeling very good again after that very disappointing result against Nottingham Forest, um, in which they sort of had to do a bit of a do a bit of a reset after that. But uh, but feeling very positive, and yeah, great to, great for them. I mean, obviously it's all to play for for the women's team in the league, uh, still top of the table. But it's great to have this extra outlet outlet too. Did your voice just break? Did I go squeaky? He actually, when I was up in Newcastle, entered a sort of Dorian Gray-style contract with me. So as my voice is slowly getting deeper, his is eventually <laughs> going to break more and more as he takes my youth. I think what's happened, Chris, for reasons that I've already gone into at considerable length, is that my spirit has broken. Not my voice, my spirit. My entire spirit has broken. 47 fucking pages. Uh, right, and the Lasses have brought in two more players this week. A double eagle swoop with Leah Cataldo and Jamaican international Paige Bailey Gale joining from Crystal Palace. And as we said on Monday, huge, huge game uh, against Wolves this Sunday, George. Yeah, and obviously, as as we mentioned in that in that first part of the week, uh, Burnley's result against Forest was was a good one. So it's all in Newcastle's hands. It's uh, yeah, it's a big game. Need to get back to winning ways in front of their own fans. I think that's important, and to show that that uh, Forest game was a blip. But um, yeah, I'll be there. Really looking forward to it. Um, I'm sure there'll be another big crowd. But if you're prevaricating, if you're hesitating, if you're wondering, is this the weekend when I go and watch the lasses play at Kingston Park? Please do it. It's a brilliant, brilliant occasion. They're a great team to watch. It's really good fun. Take my word for it. If you see me there, come up to me and I'll buy you a hot hot chocolate. Why am I saying that? I don't. I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't even like hot chocolate. Or people. I don't, I do don't like, like people either. I don't like yeah. people, no. Tell you what, if you spot me and I'm and I'm running away from you, it's because I don't want to buy you a hot chocolate. <laughs> I, I could. This could cost me thousands. If you see George, you go in the opposite direction. If I maybe no, it should be one of those things. If you if you meet me and you say the following words: "Pod on the tine, pod on the tine." Chris is great. Why do you whine? I'll buy you a hot chocolate. You're a fifty-two-year-old man from Newcastle, not a Sphinx. I'm 53, Jacob. Oh, I'm sorry. I gave you a bonus. Right, I'm going to drag this back to reality because it's getting a bit silly. Uh, Saturday, 3 p.m. at St. James's Park. Luton Town uh, usually sees Newcastle invincible, doesn't it? 3 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday. But Luton have put the cat amongst the pigeons with a 4-0 win against Brighton, Chris, haven't they? It said on the run note I cut up among the magpies, but I see you've uh, I see you've just gone for the normal. Sorry, I didn't even look at that. I just all edited in there. I don't read every word. I read the first word and I read the last word of the line and I just fill the rest in myself. You're destroying the magic. <laughs> Hang on, Luton are the hatters. So he's so let's put the hat amongst the magpies. Is that was that not that doesn't make much sense, does it? No. Put the hat amongst the magpies. Sounds a bit magiciany. Yeah. Anyway, in, in response to your question, yes, Luton, absolutely huge victory for them over Brighton in midweek, lifted them out of the relegation zone. They're in a decent run of form. I think it's five games unbeaten. They will be a challenge. What they did to Newcastle at Kenworth Road just before Christmas as well, let's not forget it. Jacob was there for that game and, and Newcastle were bullied for for large parts of that match. They really did look in, in dire straits at that stage. That's when they were at their very lowest ebb, really, in terms of form. And Luton will take great confidence from that. That the 
the, you mentioned Newcastle being invincible at 3pm on a Saturday. They had looked invincible at St. James's Park until just before Christmas, but they've lost the last two in the league, albeit last time was against Man City, but before that lost to, to Nottingham Forest. So I still think Newcastle themselves will have great confidence going into this on the back of their own form, but this is not the easy match. You actually look, it looks like Newcastle have a kind run of fixtures coming up. They've got Luton, they've got Bournemouth, and they've got Nottingham Forest. But actually, Newcastle lost all th- lost against all yeah. three of those opponents so far this season. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, 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 it on paper it looks like a kind run of fixtures, but they actually have to turn up for them. I mean, it was dire straits at, at Luton, of course, in that game. So I just wonder if this is a game for a local hero. Oh come on! It wasn't that. Um, the opening five minutes of this could be interesting, according to what our producer Ollie's written on the running order, and I have no idea why. He thinks that. No, I was wondering. I was I, I, I was hoping you would come to me with it. Luton oh, scored twice in the first five minutes. Oh, good I knowledge. They also have some very funky kickoffs. How did they score twice when the score was only 1 0? In their match against Brighton. In the week. They scored twice. They scored within eighteen seconds, I think it was, and then they scored. There were two. So because they've because they've they've done that against a different team, that's going to happen in the in this game. Exactly. I'm going to do that bit again. No, I like I like this I like this version because I think it makes us all look like absolute morons. Yes, that's why I'm going to do it again. Uh, so the opening five minutes of this one could be interesting, couldn't it, Chris? There were two 0 No, no, no. Let, let, let me take this one. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a reference to Luton scoring two goals you within the first five minutes against somebody or other. I've got absolutely no fucking idea, <laughs> but um, maybe Brighton, maybe Brighton. So certainly looking forward to the first yeah. five minutes of this yeah. one should be yeah. really exciting from a football perspective, yeah. just to see if Luton can score another real quick yeah. two goals and if Newcastle United can prevent them. It's nice to see that forty-seven pages of notes has turned into a tactica. <laughs> I do feel like we're going to have to perform some sort of intervention after this. Just George's performance on the podcast so far has been uh, it's interesting. Been psychedelic, hasn't it? It's like freeform jazz <laughs> podcast, you. and that's what George has been I doing. I love freeform jazz. Do you? Do you Why does yeah, that not surprise I'm big, me? <laughs> I'm a big jazz head. I'm a massive jazz head. Are you really? If we sell him, can we free up a bit of PSR to bring in a, I, new, I a new panel member? Yeah. It's pure, it's <laughs> pure profit. It really is. I am. The, I'm like the sort of legacy. I'm the legacy players, aren't I? I'm like I'm Paul Dummer on the bench. It's like I'm good. For, I'm good for team spirit. Am I good for team spirit, though? No, I don't think I am. I think I'm disastrous. You're more Matt Ritchie dis- than you are Paul Dummett, aren't you? Just more and Yeah, I am Matt Ritchie. And yeah, you raise your game. Raise your game whilst absolutely doing nothing himself. Yeah, well, that's true. That's a bit harsh because I, I love Matt Ritchie. But anyway. Uh, Chris, let's wrestle this back to the present. Who the fuck is going to play up front for Newcastle United? Well, as I spoke about earlier, it looks like certainly Alexander Isak's going to miss this one. Callum Wilson, I think there's an outside chance that, that he could be involved, but probably more likely to be on the bench. So that would suggest that you would bring Anthony Gordon through the middle and, and whether that means that Miguel Almiron comes and starts on the left, as he did when he came on, uh, whereas usually he's played on the right, Freddie Howe, and then Jacob Murphy continues on the right. Or whether they change things up entirely. I mean, they don't have, they don't even have Joe Linton as an option to, to, to put up top. They don't have that depth there. You, you look at quite a few Newcastle squad and they've got versatile players, but they have so few of them that available and fit at the moment. They have the three midfielders. You might get Harvey Barnes back onto the bench this weekend. There's an outside chance, I think, that Joe Willock could be back involved in some capacity, but I think he, he's slightly further behind. So I would suggest that it'll be the three, the, the three that I mentioned, probably Murphy. A wide, then Gordon through the middle, and then Almron on the left. But I think that they'll try and be fluid with that because because the other two have spent time through the middle at certain points as well. Right, then there we go, chaps. I think that's just about it. I would like to apologise uh, on behalf of Pod and the Tyne and apologise to the listener and to our producer Ollie for some of the absolute nonsense that has been spoken today. I feel like a ref 
who's lost control of a game and the players are just doing whatever they want. Uh, this isn't usually the case with this podcast, but you've just got completely feel, gone I, off piece the day, th- the three of you. No, I, <laughs> I feel like this has been my best performance for quite a long time. Yeah. Nobody's... nobody's uh, no one's agreeing yeah, with that. Okay. Nobody's joining in on that. It's not exactly a chorus of approval, but, yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's just about yeah. it. Thanks very much for your time, lads. Uh, make sure you get in touch with us at Pod on the Tyne on Twitter or X. Email us at podonthetyne at theathletic.com. Thanks for your time, Chris. You're welcome. I think that this is basically the byproduct of, of the transfer window in which has been ridiculously busy and, and nothing has actually happened. So I think that, yeah, George and I are both slowly going... Uh, insane. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing slow about it in my case. I, I think the proof is um, the proof is fairly, fairly, fairly evident. Let me. Just, I've got to go though. I've got another twenty nine pages of this document to uh, to wade through. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, may may have got it finished by the time the next transfer window opens. Well, thanks for your time, George, and good luck with that. Yeah. Thank thank you. Uh, and thank you, Jacob Whitehead, as well. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Nice to see you again. Thank you. Uh, listeners or followers of me on Twitter may see that I spent last year reading my heightened books. I'm doing a similar challenge this year, but it's just reading my width in Google Docs. <laughs> very good. That's, uh, that's very good. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. From everybody at Pod on the Tine, hope you have a good weekend. Uh, we shall speak to you on the other side. Take care. Goodbye. Fuck me, Bandy. That was hard. You didn't even say thank you. You didn't even say thank you to Chris either. But I mean, I think that's fair enough. Oh wait, do I know Chris first? Oh, did you? Oh, well, there Christ! Just shows. Were you, were you being? Were you? Were you being intentionally disruptive? Well, I apologise. I'll, I'll have. I'll have settled down by next week. The Athletic.